This is Bob Atcroft, and this is my podcast, Be Real Now. My very special guest today is fighting on the front line to save the lives of people we love. Our brothers, our sisters, aunts, uncles, parents, grandparents, our friends, and our neighbors. COVID-19 does not discriminate. It will take the life of anyone at any time. And this morning, I have the privilege today to be with a licensed, certified, registered nurse anesthetist, a graduate from the University of Scranton with a master's in science and nursing, a bachelor's of science and nursing from Temple University, and the recipient of the distinguished Kappa Chi Award, also studied biology at St. Joseph's University in Philadelphia. She is my daughter, Cecilia Bubzer. Growing up in the Atcroft family, we lovingly refer to Cecilia as Cece. Cece, welcome to my podcast. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so thrilled you're here. So Cece, I'm going to ask you a tough question, and I want you to take as much time as you like to answer this and think about it if you need to. And if you'd rather not go into that, I have several other questions. But I think what we want to know is, from the eyes of somebody on the front line, in your words, what is it like treating people with COVID-19? Well, that's a great question. Um, I'm happy you asked it. First of all, it's extremely sad. A huge part of my job is responding to emergencies in the hospital. And that means placing breathing tubes for people, right? So in the setting of COVID-19, where people we know who wind up on ventilators oftentimes don't come off those ventilators and pass away. My job is very sad. I oftentimes get calls to respond to secure airways for people at any time of day or night. When I respond to these calls frequently, people don't even realize what's about to happen. You mean the, the patient or the family or both? The patient. Well, as you know, now the hospitals are really restricting visitors, mm. right? So family oftentimes isn't even present. Yes, yeah. And by oftentimes, really, I haven't, I haven't had any family present for me when I respond to these emergencies throughout the hospital. So when I get to a patient's room and they are awake and coherent with it, and I have that opportunity to talk to them, it could be really depressing because these people don't, don't understand what's about to happen. I had a patient once ask me to, if I could bring him in some food, um, and of course I can't do that before placing an airway that's increases the risk of problems happening but it just it, my point is that it goes to show the lack of understanding people have for what's about to happen it makes my job hard because i want to most importantly be a good person and be kind to this person who is about to enter a really unique phase and yeah you know cecilia that makes me think um it puts you in a position i believe then not only as the healthcare professional, but also as the surrogate uh, family member, if you will, because they don't have that, uh, you know, that loving uh, person, that significant other with them at that moment. So you have a dual role then. Um, and, I, and I know nurses do all the time. You know, they always have that love and care and compassion, but now more than ever, I imagine you have to step into that uh, dual role of not only as the healthcare professional, but also as that, uh, that, that significant other person to give them that, uh, that care that, that, that's critical for them and that caring and that uh, 
feeling of kind of a relief or, you know, it's going to be okay in, in their mindset. Like you want to have them have some sense of, I'm, 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 Peace. somebody's with me, peaceful. Yes, I'm not alone. Of course, of course. And I always feel that way. I always take that with me in my job, um, whether it's in an operating room setting, um, in an emergency, in a non-emergency. I always want to convey that message to my patients that they're safe in my care and that I would do, I will do my very best. Yeah. As we all do as providers. We, that's all we can do is our best, right? Um, but that's an aspect of it that really is not lost on me is that sometimes I'm the last person that this person right here may ever see or talk to. Mm. And that, that weighs on your conscious at the end of the day, doesn't it? Um, but another aspect of it is that while I've done that before, while that's been my job for a while now to respond to emergencies, whether a patient is awake or not, to place breathing tubes, now there's a new dimension of that with COVID-19, and that's that my health but could potentially be at risk or my family's health if I were to expose them and be asymptomatic myself. So it, it brings in another facet of this disease. Mm, that that has got to be so difficult for you and your colleagues because you're treating this person, uh, this COVID patient, we'll say, with utmost care, consideration. And at that very same time, you realize this that your your life and the life of, as you stated, perhaps the loved ones in your family could be at risk as well. I mean, to me, that is such an, an, an enormous uh, burden or uh, responsibility. It is. It certainly comes with the territory of anesthesia, and it's something that anesthesia providers are well-equipped to handle. I mean, that to me then says then, how, how do you cope? How do you and your colleagues cope with this, if you can, uh, realizing the enormity and, and, and just what's at stake? Well, certainly I can only speak for myself, and I don't want to speak for my colleagues or any other healthcare provider out there. I can say that it has been especially in the beginning, quite isolating. It is very challenging at times. I certainly had been faced with moments where I felt as though I needed, I needed a minute. And that's never happened to me in my, in my career. And certainly I've definitely dealt with sad or difficult circumstances at work, especially when I worked in the pediatric ICU. However, this, is, this was in a different way because... As so many people out there have seen these pictures of ICU providers out there who are fully geared up and in these patient rooms for hours at a time and they come out and they have these marks and bruises on their faces and skin abrasions and it's uncomfortable. Wearing all that gear can be very challenging for many reasons. One, the physical aspects of it. It is hot wearing all that. It's sometimes painful. Um, it's difficult to see. You're trying to always put your patient first. But at the same time, I wor- was working for extensive periods of time alone. Oftentimes, I would be stuck in a room or stuck in a situation where I wouldn't be able to to leave to go eat or take a break Mm -hmm. and I'd miss that window where the cafeteria would be open and that happened to me one night and I worked from I want to say I got in at 7 a.m and I I had worked all day maybe I'm sure I had a break at some point but 
By 8 o'clock at night when I was responding to an emergency, I was fully gowned up. I, ha I had missed dinner and I was placing an A-line in an ICU patient to go back for an emergency. I started to hyperventilate under all my gear. I just felt so hot. I had a headache and it really got to me in that moment. That's the first time it really got to me. And I looked at my anesthesiologist that was with me at the time because we were rushing the patient back. Um, and I just said, I, I can't, I can't do this right now. I'm, I, yeah. I need a minute. And he, of course, he's so kind and one of the strongest providers I know gave me that minute to just step yeah. back for a couple seconds and wow. take a deep breath. But it is, it's really, it's really challenging. Um, wow. That, that is amazing, Cecilia. I, I, you know, I often ponder when I hear that somebody's in surgery, uh, whatever it may be, or going in, and uh, the, the team is in that for literally 12 hours, hypothetically, or some long length of period of time. And it, it makes me always wonder, how do you maintain your focus for that length of time and, and, and have that duration of hours go by where there's absolutely physical exhaustion has set in? At this point, where you're only human, you and all the healthcare professionals, uh, it's just amazing to me that somehow you you're able to step up and, as you said, recollect your thoughts and focus and and get through that. Well, certainly this is a unique time, and that is not the norm. Th that's not the norm that you should be working those ex extensive hours. Yeah. Without a break, um, this is. This is a unique time, as I said, for, for everybody, for all the healthcare providers out there. And yeah, it creates challenges out, outside of work as well, because as you know, it could be really isolating outside of work as well. Um, you know, we need to limit our circles during this time as a healthcare provider and somebody who had been responding to a lot of COVID-19 patients, I felt as though I should not be around anybody. And that started to really make me sad. I was only around my husband and I'm certainly grateful for the time that I had with him and continue to have with him. But if you feel as though other people are kind of continuing on in a normal way and you're the only one mm -hmm. in your own, in your family or mm -hmm. your immediate circle who's mm -hmm. being really affected by it, it can be a little depressing at times, but certainly people mm -hmm. have it much harder and much, much worse than I do. I give all the credit in the world to intensive care providers who are really in these rooms with patients 24-7 and responding. And these patients are very sick and oftentimes require an extensive amount of care. Uh, let me ask you this, Cecilia. Uh, obviously, everybody is at risk. And that's why, you know, there's a mandate for most states or, or most communities. Uh, wear a mask. Mm -hmm. um, but knowing that, you know, I recently had a conversation with a dear friend and, and he asked me candidly, hey, are you afraid of this? And, you know, I said, yeah, you know, I, I actually kind of am because I'm a person who's immune compromised. I feel like I'm at greater risk. And we hear, you know, the elderly at greater risk, someone who has a heart condition. Um, you know what I feel is, though, that there's too many people who aren't in one of those categories, be it elderly, a heart diabetes, uh, immune compromise, right. they, they don't take it seriously enough and they don't feel they're at risk, but yet they are because they're, they're a potential carrier. Sure. Well, I think you just said it best yourself. Anybody is at risk for it, whether we show symptoms or not. 
is another part of that. But the scary thing is if we aren't showing symptoms and we have it and then we pass it on to somebody who is at much higher risk of getting much more sick than we are. That is... That's, That's the fear. That is the most frightening thing for me. And I guess it's asymptomatic. So I always think of that. You know, if I'm going somewhere and I you know, I do wear a mask all the time right. um, and I, I stay away from crowds, obviously. But if I'm in a room and uh, there's a couple people that I don't know that are not in my circle, I'm fearful thinking like this person could be asymptomatic and actually be a carrier. And, and I obviously stay six feet or more away from any person that I don't know at any time. But yeah. nonetheless, it's still in the back of my mind. And I, and I think that sometimes is only because I'm immune compromised. It's not the norm for people. Like I, I feel like there's so much of the population out there that seemingly are carrying on like, hey, you know, everything's fine. And that, that, that's so worrisome to me. I agree. It is worrisome. I think that it's really important to be listening to the guidelines out there and to truly be limiting our contact with big groups of people and limit our circle. And if we feel as though we are in a situation where it put us at higher risk, we quarantine. And if we start to exhibit symptoms, we go see a doctor or get a test. There are many things we can do to prevent it. And that's the hope that if we follow these guidelines that are putting forth, put forth, that are being put forth by the CDC, that we will limit the spread and limit hospitals from being overwhelmed by it all at once Mm, that's so important as well and you hear that all the time i guess you know my last question or thought is um and you know we we always hear wear a mask how do we protect ourselves is is it that simple basically well no i don't think it is that simple um certainly i believe we should all be wearing masks and doing these things but any as you said anybody can get it and it's if it was a simple problem we'd have a simple solution and it it would be over by now right Mm -hmm. it's not simple it's on a massive scale at this point i think there are many things we can do to help protect the people that we love and a big part of that is staying home and if we are exposed or in a situation that can potentially expose us to quarantine after that time or go seek medical attention if we start to have symptoms. Um, there are many facilities where we can, can get testing at to get a test. And until those test results come back, stay away from people, right? But certainly there's other things we can do. We need to look at our own lives and our jobs and how we can help in, in that way. For me, it's I, I work during this and I am able to take care of people who do have COVID-19 and respond in that manner. Now, now, Cease, when you say um, quarantine, you know, I'm not exactly sure, but when someone quarantines themselves, is that like a two-week, literally a 14-day period? Yes, it should be a 14-day period. Wow. Of limiting your contact. Wow. And then, of course, as you said, there's so many people out there. There's the frontline workers, obviously, in the health field, but also uh, people that are working at grocery stores. Yes, exactly. There are many other people that are helping in this that aren't necessarily working in hospitals and don't have to work in hospitals to be helping with this. Like you said, people in grocery stores, people in the service industry. Yeah. 
And then now a lot of people are starting to get back at work and doing it in a, in a safe manner and making sure that your place of work is following those guidelines is really important right now. Cecilia, I know um, how important it is to be uh, appreciative and thank you to the healthcare industry. And I remember uh, months ago seeing on television and uh, firsthand uh, footage of people opening their doors and saying thank you and clapping and, and, and clattering pans around to the healthcare professionals. I think it was like seven o'clock every night. It was every single night. Um, and you must have seen that yourself. Yeah, that's amazing. It seemed like, especially in some bigger cities where they were responding tremendously and doing such a great job and continue to do such a great job that people really were coming out to support. And I think that's so important that we continue to do that because as I spoke earlier about how isolating it can be and, and difficult for these providers, it's nice to have that support behind you to know that people care and people are rooting for you and rooting for this challenging time to come to an end and for it, us to move forward. It makes me think back to 9-11 um, and uh, anytime you saw a firefighter, even though we always respect and revere and think so highly of a firefighter, it, it, it was a special place and now Today, I think of whenever I see a, a nurse, a doctor, someone in the healthcare profession, I um, I don't know that I always extend a, a, a thank you, you know, your hero, but I, I in my mind I certainly do, and those people that are close to me, I remind them of that. So um, I have to say, even as your dad, thank you, thank you. As a nurse, um, it's it's just amazing, you know, that you're out there in the front line and. Um, well, thank you for saying that. Thank you for having me. And thank you to everyone out there who's doing their part. Yeah. We're all in this together. Absolutely. So lastly, so, and most importantly, you know, thank you to all the families of the healthcare professionals and frontliners. You are all heroes. This is Bob Adcroft. Thank you for tuning in. If you'd like to reach out, you can reach me at bob.adcroft at gmail.com.